Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Hello and welcome to show number 302 from Engage for Success. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about culture. Uh, organizational culture, something that um, those of you who, who know me uh, will know is, is something that's very close to my heart and, and my organization's heart. So I'm very pleased to have as our guest today, Kieran Faller. Uh, welcome to the show, Kieran. Thanks, Joe. Um, Kieran is co-founder and CEO of an organization called Workio, which we're going to be talking about in a, in a, little, mo- uh, in a little while. Um, and really is going to be helping us navigate this, this topic because when it comes to culture, that there are a lot of definitions and a lot of uh, uh, reasons why this is something that is important and it's perhaps um, not as well understood as it might be. So I think the next half an hour is going to be an interesting one for us. So, uh, But before we get into the particulars of the topic, perhaps um, perhaps you can, uh, Kieran, just give us a little bit of a, an overview about, about your professional background because I think it's it, it's been quite an interesting path, hasn't it? to get you to where you are now <laughs> yes yeah indeed um yes it has so uh thanks for uh inviting me on the show uh, delighted to Pleasure. talk to you about um culture and all that good stuff um so yes my personal background um i started off uh qualifying as a lawyer um mm-hmm. so i worked in law for uh, a few years in commercial property um mm-hmm. and uh, got a bit bored of that uh, after a few years of doing right. um, rental agreements and uh, development agreements, that kind of thing, um, and decided to go into the music industry. Um, right. And then uh, was that I, was that a passion? Was that a long-held passion? You know, that you've always been yes. a bit of a muso. Yeah. Yes, yeah. 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 Definitely. You've uh, nailed me straight away. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so that was really driven by interest, um, and <laughs> ended up running a company in the music industry technology field um, Mm -hmm. where uh, I was helping record labels get their music and uh, content into places like Spotify, Apple, Google, um, and the the music services there. Um, So that was a very interesting period, you know, through the, through the explosion of streaming and um, really the, the, kind of take off of digital music so that was uh yeah that a really, really interesting oh, time i bet i bet that must have been i mean it was real sort of frontier stuff wasn't it at that time no one yes. really there wasn't really a map was there <laughs> no i and to be honest I, I don't think there still is um in the industry <laughs> right. in general uh but uh but at least um the industry as a whole is back in growth uh, mm-hmm. now and has been for the last uh, few years after about a decade plus of decline um mm following the whole Napster um, stuff. So, yes. yeah, that was this, a very interesting time. Um, and then uh, while I was doing that, uh, while I was running that company, I did an MBA at University of Cambridge and mm-hmm. uh, a bunch of kind of related experiences led me into the company culture world and area. And, um, uh, yeah, got started with Workio, um, trying to help shed some light on company culture and help companies make better decisions around it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, yeah. and did, um, so you, you kind of were one of the co-founders of Workio. What was mm. the, yes. when, when was that? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. Um, 
these things are kind of fuzzy, I guess, uh, or this one was for us anyway. Um, so we, the, the idea really came about, um, through a couple of experiences of mine. Um, the first one was that, uh, my wife changed jobs, um, Mm -hmm. a few years ago now, uh, probably about six or seven years ago. And, um, she quit the new job within three weeks um, because she really, really didn't get on with the company culture um, of Mm -hmm. the place that she had joined. And Mm -hmm. um, that was obviously, uh, you know, a wrench for her and for us as a couple um, Mm. to try to deal with that. And I just got to thinking, how has everyone involved in this decision made such a poor decision? Um, because the company has wasted time and effort and money in bringing my wife in, uh, only mm-hmm. to have her quit within three weeks. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's obviously makes things difficult for her um, in her work life. So I was just thinking, you know, just from the point of view of running a company myself at the time, mm-hmm. how has this poor decision been made? And is there a way to uh, maybe improve the decision making in this kind of um, situation around company culture um, right. and that led me to the to the thought of well the, the first problem is to actually understand what your culture is um, mm-hmm. as, as a company and then hopefully you can make better decisions about uh, you know based on it um, uh, with with better understanding so that was the first <clears throat> the first kind of nugget of um, uh, of inspiration and then mm. um the second was uh while running that music industry company we opened an office in vietnam um because mm-hmm. we had an, a growing business in asia and um we had to make some very clear decisions there about what kind of culture we wanted that remote office to have um right. did we want it to reflect our culture as we were in london or were we content with it being quite a different culture, perhaps more of a stereotypically Vietnamese uh, workplace culture, um, mm-hmm. which like like a lot of Asian cultures is generally very hierarchical, very wanting to be directed. Um, mm-hmm. And we took the view that we wanted it to be more, much more uh, like our London culture at the time which was very flat hierarchy very self-starting very kind of um fluid in terms of roles and dynamics Mm -hmm. um and so we searched for a bunch of people uh, in vietnam who were to be honest quite strange in the vietnamese context so we were looking for a group of uh, a group of lovely weirdos um (laughs) and we managed to find them and that that approach really paid off. Um, so that team worked really well with us and continues to be a part of that business um, now about about four years later. Um, mm. So, and to do that, we had to understand our culture um, in a more structured way um, about how we were in London to start with mm. and then mm. to really be very focused on the kind of people that we were looking for to staff the Vietnam team. So right. those those things together were, were really the seeds of it for me. Um, mm. And uh, my co-founder, Alan, um, had worked for a, a games company, games design company, um, 
and they have kind of quite notorious culture issues in that sector. Um, Indeed, they do. Yeah, I've yes. heard a lot about that. Yeah. Yeah, there's been quite a bit of stuff about that in the news recently. Mm. I'd say over the last year or two. Um, mm. And so he had some experiences um, while working for a company in that field that um, kind of really brought home to him the importance of culture. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yes, we, we happened to meet up through the MBA um, mm-hmm. and pursued this interest. Um, I see. Mm. Okay, so it was something that, that, that was personally affecting you in one way or mm. another, personally slash professionally, um, yes. and you felt that there was a need to to companies to better understand their culture mm. in order to stop bad decisions being made and also to yeah, to, yeah. to helpfully hopefully attract people who would, would fit better and therefore perform better and mm. so on. Yeah. Yes, well that's certainly where we started out. So we, mm. we did start with the idea of um recruiting for culture fit. Um uh-huh. because there's a you know it, it's relatively straightforward to to know whether someone has a certain set of skills that mm. are required in order to do a job well. Um, I think there tends to be an over-reliance on thinking about skills because they're more easy to um, to set out on a CV um, and easier to measure um, or mm. have historically been easier, easier to measure than the, the kind of softer, more cultural um, yeah. aspects or even character traits. Um, yeah. So yes, we we did start off focusing on that, but um, we found that uh, actually the first step of, of being able to do that, which is understanding the company's existing culture, um, mm-hmm. was really where our customers were finding um, the most value from engaging with us. And also it's um, more directly applicable and and positively impacts um, employees, more employees more directly, we think, um, by focusing on being a tool, a kind of internal management tool, really, um, Mm -hmm. to help help management teams see the culture as it is and to see the opportunities to improve um, internally. Um, So, yeah, thinking about it that way rather than... um, because that also gets into the idea of being able to shape culture. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah. So I get you. It impacts more. It impacts more people rather than simply the new recruits on an ongoing basis mm. initially. So, what, so I think we've got to yeah. take a step back though, if we if you if we may mm. to begin with, sure. um, uh, Kieran. So what? Yeah. Let's. Let, have we got a nice pat definition of what we mean by culture? I mean, there's, that, there's, that, there's that lovely quote, isn't there, by Peter Drucker, that culture eats strategy yeah. for breakfast, which obviously, you know, is, is sort of um, yes. all over the shop. But what do we actually mm. mean by it? What do you mean by it? And does what you mean by it differ to what most people think it means? Yeah, well, I think, I mean, it's a, it's a really good question and it's the key question, really. Um, so, yeah, I think it's one of those terms that, as you say, gets bandied around a lot without much examination of what it really means. Um, so it's a bit of a, you know, a kind of Rorschach 
test where people can see whatever they want to see in it. Um, mm-hmm. Our our definition of it is um, for us, culture is how things happen in a business every day. Um, right. So it's very practically oriented, very behaviorally oriented. Um, yep. So yes, our view of culture is it's the lived experience of employees is another way of putting mm-hmm. it. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, and we think that that's that's um, a a robust approach, and it enables us to um, then take a very practical approach in terms of addressing and shaping uh, culture. Um, hopefully, in partnership with management teams. Mm-hmm. Okay, so mm-hmm. right, I mean that 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 makes sense. A practical thing. It's a, mm-hmm. I, I think it's the, the phrase um, you know, how it, how things. Are, what it's like at our place, how things are done around here, how things happen yes. every day. Yeah, mm, yeah. Mm. Um, yes, exactly. But I, but it, I, I guess unless you can measure that, again, <laughs> you still, you still got people's um, extrapolation of that is still going to be influenced by what they think they're measuring to demonstrate that, isn't it? Yes, yes, indeed. Which I guess is uh, which is where work here comes in. Um, right. Because okay. we have a, a, a standardised model um, mm-hmm. to measure culture, um, so we um, just a, a little bit about how we work. Um, we gather data from employees about their experiences in the workplace and how they mm-hmm. would like things to be, and we mm-hmm. compare um, their day-to-day experience against their preferences or their ideal. Um, right. So it's a very, um, as I say, it's a very practically focused approach and also very personal to each employee um, mm-hmm. because some employees will want uh, a challenging role. Um, and so if a role is not challenging, then that's not good for them because they want a challenging role. Um, other employees will prefer a less challenging role. And maybe if the role is challenging, um, to a certain extent, then they they may not enjoy that. So it's really all about how the employee's experience matches with their own preferences. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think by taking that approach, that's um, a kind of, uh, I think, a unique insight, really. It sounds com- to us, it sounds common sense when you say it, but no one else really seems to deeply be utilizing that in the ways that they think about culture and address culture um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there's a lot of talk about good cultures or bad cultures and we really are completely agnostic on that question and i personally am completely agnostic as to whether there is you know an objectively good culture or objectively bad culture um because different employees different people want different things out of a workplace Yeah. Yeah. So your start point, interestingly, your start point to measure the culture is what is the employee on the ground experience of how things are done on an everyday basis around here? Rather than, I mean, do you rather than or do you also look at what (laughs) the organization's leadership team wants the culture to be in order to deliver (laughs) their strategic objectives do you do you try and match those two or do you do you simply say this is mm. where we are guys this is where you are <laughs> uh what do you you know is this what you want or isn't it, mm. and is it 
um, or do we? You know, how how do you sort of tie that into delivery um, mm. in terms of the organisation's um, ambition and um, objectives and so on? Yes, yes. So we can work in both ways. Um, uh-huh. So with with some customers, it's a case of just understand where you are, understand where your employees aren't getting what they want and Mm -hmm. consider whether change is required uh, or change would be beneficial in order to give employees more of what they want um, Mm -hmm. with your existing people in place. Um, We also work on what we think of as cultural change programs where, where a culture is, as you say, may not be where the management team want it to be um, mm-hmm. in some quite significant ways. So we can help them kind of define a goal state um, that they want to get to um, and then help them on the journey from where they are to where they want to get to um, and mm-hmm. measure that progress along the way to, to check that things are moving in the right direction. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, step one is always understand where you are, understand where you're starting from. Um, and yes, then you can either work incrementally to to improve culture um, in general based on the feedback, or you can be a bit more directive about um, yeah having a particular goal state in mind. Okay, so so it's important then to understand where you are, where you're starting <clears throat> from, and do you yeah. do you do this over a a long period of time as a sort of evolving benchmarking mm. exercise or, or is it a sort of short and sharp uh, tactical strike? <laughs> um, we prefer to work over the long term with, mm. with our clients. Um, so, uh, yes, so we, we tend to measure companies um, twice a year uh, for mature mm-hmm. companies um, mm-hmm. so that we can see shifts either positive or negative um, mm. and encourage or arrest those uh, as, mm-hmm. as required um, mm. so yeah but we think the real value also the, the reason that we have a very standardized process is to enable those kind of time comparisons um, over time and also benchmarking um, amongst an organization's peers um, as we, yeah yes, okay yeah exactly. so I know you said I'm going to put you on the spot here Kieran I know you mm-hmm. said you don't you're at you're agnostic about good and bad culture um yes. but do you think from what you've seen over the year over recent years that mm-hmm. organizational cultures are becoming healthier or <laughs> becoming more toxic Mm, that's a and good is question. there a difference is there a sector difference you know you talked about the game mm industry for example yeah. I mean are there are there particular sectors which I guess it's difficult for you to answer this I realize that mm. as I've answered this question I'm probably well and truly put you on the spot so you probably, <laughs> probably say that you're not going to answer this um, <laughs> I'd appreciate if you'd rather not answer it if, if it's you know there's sort of sensitivities mm. but but just perhaps in general terms do you think people are getting mm. better at, let's rephrase the question do you think yeah. leadership teams are mm. beginning to understand that this is important and this isn't I, just soft and fluffy. Yes, I, I think um, so. Yes, on the on the question as originally phrased, I would be very careful and say that we don't have enough data to make any hard 
conclusions in terms of industry mm-hmm. wide, uh, economy wide or um, sector wide issues. Um, yeah. But uh, on the more anecdotal question around the under- beginning to understand the importance, I think that is the key phrasing. I think mm-hmm. the whole company culture conversation mm-hmm. still seems at a very early stage. Um, and the companies that we've been tending to work with have been those companies who do get it. Um, mm. You know, it's a, a, as a, a natural process of self-selection. Um, of companies that engage with us do already get it. But yeah. um, in the general culture, I would say, you know, the general kind of intellectual culture around business mm. mm-hmm. and um mm-hmm the way that people are thinking about business, I think is becoming more enlightened, um, particularly around culture and also around related issues of um, diversity, inclusion, mental health. Um, Mm. I think this, it it feels like, you know, it may, it may also just, it may also just be the fact that those are the things that I read and look at. So I'm probably an unreliable judge. Self-selecting, um, yeah. Yes, exactly, another self-selection issue. But um, but it does feel like there's some kind of shift. Um, uh-huh. And it feels like that shift is really to understand that employees are people rather than resources. Um, mm. So you see it in the, in the naming of the department that's in charge of employees or that that you know facilitates mm. employee relationships in a company mm. moving from hr to people mm. very often people. now yeah um yeah and i yeah. think that it's a serious indication of the shift um yeah. in mentality there okay yeah i mean mm. it's interesting i mean you touched on this a little earlier as well as one thing i wanted to ask you um mm. and i come up against this or have these conversations with with our clients as, as well and and people mm. i meet um some people will argue that organizational culture just happens and it is what it is uh-huh. and it is entirely unmanageable. Um, I would mm. be very interested to know what you think. Do you think you can yeah. shape it? And indeed, if you can, should you? <laughs> um, I guess it depends who's doing the shaping. Um, in our experience, yes, you absolutely can. Um, so mm. we've seen results with our customers where um, the culture was going in a negative direction in a couple of particular aspects. Um, we identified that. We helped um, the, the, the customer I'm thinking of um, make some changes to address those, and that actually impacted the culture within the following six months. Um, mm-hmm. So it is certainly true that it is shapeable. Um, I think, but I think it is also true that culture does also just happen. Um, mm-hmm. So I, th- I think trying to be too directive about it or too perhaps having an ambition to have a culture which is completely different to the culture that you currently have um, mm-hmm. is likely to be very difficult. So mm-hmm. the analogy that we often think about and talk about in relation to this is gardening. So in gardening, um, things grow without Mm -hmm. you kind of standing there and like pulling the plants up out of the ground. Um, So things happen in a garden, but also you weed a garden, you plan a garden, you, um, you know, prune the 
plants if they need pruning. Um, so it's mm. a, a kind of combination of a natural process with a kind of shaping process. Okay, um, that's quite a nice analogy, isn't it? I like that. Mm, yeah, yeah the, um, <laughs> it's been used. There's a great book called The Gardens of Democracy, um, which was written mm -hmm. a few years ago by um, a couple of American writers, um, and they use the analogy in relation to democracy, which is also really effective. Um, right. But yes, the more and more I think about that analogy, the, the stronger it, it becomes, I think. Yeah, yeah, interesting. And and you, you, you talk in, in the... Um, in the initial sort of uh, copy around the show before we mm. before we went live, we're talking about culture mm. mismatch and how that is a, a significant driver of, of employees leaving. And, and yes. uh, you know, I think we, we probably recognise that. Some of us could definitely see that. But do you think mm -hmm. that's not worse? Do you think, do you think mm. employees have become less tolerant or have, have cultures become less bearable? Yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, we have to be careful around this. So um, I think probably employees should be less tolerant um, in general, certainly than they were in the past. Um, but the issue here is really about visibility and information again, because mm -hmm. it's all very well for an employee to say, oh, I, I hate this culture, I'm going to move. But as an employee, how can you be sure that the place you're moving to isn't going to be worse yes. um, for you? You have no way so, of knowing, do you? Indeed. Not yet. Um, give us a few years <laughs> um, and we <laughs> might be able to tell you. Yeah. Yes, right, exactly. Um, hmm. So, uh, so yeah, that's, that's one issue. Um, but also the other issue, there's some macroeconomic issues which affect this, I think. Um, so at the moment we have uh, very tight labour markets in the UK and the US um, and other developed nations um, and they have been that way for a number of years so mm. in this kind of macroeconomic environment employees have more agency um, mm -hmm. because it's relatively easier to leave somewhere and find a new job um, yes. so that may be a factor um, but also just kind of running counter to some of the uh, some of the um, thinking around you know millennials and the kind of stereotypically um, stereotypical commentary around millennials wanting things that are different to other generations in the workforce. Um, mm -hmm. There's actually good research showing that all different generational cohorts want basically the same things out of work. They wanted to be fulfilling. They want to be recognized and rewarded. They wanted to have a larger purpose. Um, they want to have a certain amount of kind of comfortable amount of challenge in their roles in general. Um, mm -hmm. So it may just be that the millennial generation um, is just perhaps less willing to put up with um, the negative uh, mm. cultures, you know, the cultures where they're not yes. getting that. Um, so yeah. it may be a tolerance issue rather than a you know a, a different way of thinking about work. Um, yeah. And I yeah I, I think that's to the good. But as I say, it's it, it's difficult to put that into action because you're kind of jumping blind into something else. Mm. Um, mm. Given the current yes, it's situation. I mean, you talk yeah. talking about the generational thing. I, I, it's interesting. I mean, I've certainly read that. 
um, the, the millennial or Gen Y um, mm. generation, learning and development in the sense that they are going to have mm. a, a career path that is clear and that they're going to grow and develop is a very important part of mm. them choosing an employer. And when that yeah. fails to be delivered in practice, mm-hmm. then they're very willing to move on yes. to somewhere yes. that they believe will. Um, mm. And I guess that's mm. a cultural cue, isn't it? The extent to which yeah. an organisation develops its people is is clearly Certainly. clearly part of it. So um, yeah. I told you before the show began, Kieran, that time mm-hmm. always flies by with us. It's, <laughs> been, a, it's been a fascinating yeah. conversation. I'm very conscious that I've mm. thrown a few uh, questions at you which is sort of you know one one and extreme or the other uh, which you've very yeah, carefully no, that's, that's and very great. effectively navigated so thank you for that and uh, we've got just over a minute remaining um mm-hmm. so in that minute i wonder if there's yeah. if there was one thing that you'd like listeners to take away and, and sort of have at their front of mind when mm-hmm. it comes to mm-hmm. culture what would it be yeah. um i think for us it's going back to that that thinking of employees as people and understanding mm-hmm. they will not all want the same things um, that different employees will want different things and we should be comfortable with that and um, and content with that I think that's that's the key issue is around having the right people for the right culture and vice versa right right so it's it's not necessarily it, it's not then about having a one-size-fits-all and and knowing that for uh, people that that's not right for, they're just going to have to, you know, like it and, or lump it. Um, mm. That it is actually perhaps about nuancing yes. approaches. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Although I think, yeah. The, yes, yeah, I think that's true. That's true. Great. Well, thank you. Mm. Um, out of time, I'm afraid. So um, mm. thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you found it as interesting a conversation as I have. It's been uh, been fascinating. Thanks for listening, Kieran. Uh, Kieran Fowler, thank you very much for joining us. And, uh, you know, I look forward to hearing how this all develops and uh, seeing where this takes us. So thank you. No problem at all. Thanks, Joe. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.